Welcome to We Are Everyone, a video and podcast series powered by Pivotal Moments, and we focus on the intersection of mental wellness in the workforce. We bring together young professionals and mindful executive mentors to bridge the generational gap and bring to the surface conversations about the importance of mental wellness and how to overcome career tradition challenges. Mental wellness is paramount. Join us. It's just interesting because, you know, I find that now I feel like I'm using the word interesting a lot because that's the one that's coming to my head on a Friday brain. But you think about this country as a whole and I, and I, we're in this really interesting, it against it, we're in a very volatile state as a country, but I also think as a world, I mean, we really are. And I find that I, I it was like so excited when uh, I, I, I found, I found you to, 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 to bring you on the show. Cause I also, I mean, like I said, I love the Japanese culture, but I also really want to find something that I love about all different cultures. And my question kind of here is, you know, we are having conversations and I could be sitting here right now and thinking to myself, you know, am I saying anything that's offending Mickey? Is there something that could be offensive? Just in general of where we're at in society of, you know, I date my, my partner is black African-American and I'm like, am I, is there anything I didn't grow up in that with the culture? You know, I grew up in a, in a bubble. I didn't grow, I grew up in a, in a very small bubble with people who looked like me, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because then it's like, am I offending? And so my question for you, Mickey, is as you were in this journey of you assimilated and then now you're finding Mickey again or or whatever version of Mickey of a, a version of Mickey in this in this time period of your life is do you find that and especially with your practice and some of your clients is that we're kind of working or we're walking around of not knowing what to say or how can we all kind of hold space for each other and all with all our different backgrounds so you you can come to a conversation I can come to a conversation all of us can come to a conversation and can be our true authentic selves and also be able to receive. So I'm just curious, you know, what, if that even makes sense, what your thought process and, you know, opinion on that is. Mm, that could be a whole another podcast show on that one. Yeah, we can, was, tease it. we can definitely tease it, but it just came to me as you were speaking. Yeah. I mean, so this is a, like a, it could go on for like another like five hours on this. However, I would say though that I'm gonna just actually bring back to the self-awareness piece here, right? So how can we have these conversations? Uh, there's a couple of different things. One is willingness. Willingness to have the conversation, willingness to have the restock instead of avoiding, that's one thing. And then what I really I think it's important for all of us to do is to become self-aware of the function of guilt and shame. Yep. Because those two emotions inevitably come up when we are engaging a race talk. And then sometimes we become defensive as a result, or sometimes we get withdrawn as a result. Sometimes we get angry as a result, right? There's lots of things, the action that comes as a result of those two emotions. So as a therapist here, um, I have made a commitment to practice anti-oppressive approach. And part of this is making the commitment to myself saying, when the guilt and the shame come up, when I engage in the race talk, I take it. I don't run away from it. 
And I take it and say, okay, so this is trying to teach me another moment and another learning. So I'll stay with it. So that's one way. And in the therapy session, because I think the the question that you were asking earlier had like about me, but also with the clients too, right? Self-awareness and the clients and what you do with it. So when we are working with clients who are um, having different backgrounds, and so much like how, how I was talking about, like when I was in Japan, I was just breathing the, the Japanese culture. I don't know what, what, what Japanese culture is or what Japanese identity means. Now, some of the clients come in with that similar situation, but they, there's something uncomfortable about themselves and then they can't articulate what that is. Right. Like um, just last month, I had a client who is having uh, he's a Middle East um, American. So um, his parents came from Middle East and then he's a second generation. Um, so then he was just really perplexed by why he was just attracted to white women. Right. But he can't really like he's not really sure where this is, where it's coming from. So then this is a really about sit down moment and acknowledging some of the things that was in the environment while he was growing up. And so, which goes back to actually my social work background, because in a social work, um, there is a theory called the person in the environment, uh, which really talks about none of us as a person is actually detached from the environment that we are surrounded by. In the environment, there is a family and the family culture. In the environment, there is a culture of the actual community that you grew up in. And there is a society and then there are other things, right? And then racism is part of it, ageism is part of it. And so then when we as a therapist sitting down with a person, the client, we cannot understand or help them understand and become self-aware when we're not paying attention to what's in the environment once again. And culture is part of it. It is so part of it because I think about it this way, and you know, I've had some interesting dating. Not even interesting. I've dated. I've dated people, and they've been from all walks of life. And you know, my my people who are close to my people who are my circle of influence, who I've grown up with, right? Who came from my same area, are like, wow, Jen, you've gone just you've just done completely one eighties. And I said, based on what based on your perception of what that is supposed to look like based on what a partner in your mind is supposed to look like you know and I'm just like that's the part of society that I I think that it's really important to be attached to your culture you know my grandparents were holocaust survivors I think that's very important that that will never (laughs) ever well that will always be a part of me and a part of my future family but that doesn't also mean that I can't then have marry and also have children with someone from a complete different culture. That's how we, in my opinion, really sometimes move forward, but we have to create that space for it. And, but to the point of self-awareness of the why, right? Why is the person in my circle of influence telling me and asking me that? Because in their brain, they can't probably conceptualize something that's like this, right? But in my brain, I've always like, here where I, I like, I want to break free from that. But then here where there's two versions of me by the different emotions saying, putting the self, whatever of, of the, you know, 
the circle that I grew up in, right? So it's these conflictions, but but Jen, this Jen wants to be like, she's like, all right, let's go, come on, we're keeping it forward. And then Jen, who's still in the box is like, wait, what? Like this, we, this is, we don't know this, this is all new. And it's just interesting because that's where this self-awareness comes in of understanding what those emotions are. And then also understanding where other people are coming from who are around you. And I got into a little situation before where I would just like stop talking to people who I didn't like that, you know, but now I'm like, no, 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 no. You can be friends with someone over here and someone over here if you might not understand it, but you just have to be able to understand where everyone's coming from. And that is something that is kind of exhausting if you try to accomplish on an everyday basis, but at least if you get the foundation down, it's just, that's where I think the, where we can be somewhat successful to your point and could be a longer conversation um, for society. I'm sure you see a lot of that too with clients, um, clients of yours. I think also too, what I'm hearing is that you are just kind of like uh, seeing or talking about, there's the, the power to see choices when you become self-aware. Because obviously what you were just talking about has you examined where you're coming from and identifying something new and how you decide to relate to what's new that's coming into your life. And there's points of these examination, self-reflection, awareness, and then out of that, you have choices. Mm -hmm. And to make a choice is empowering. Yeah, which is also like fun about life, right? I mean, awesome. And here it's like, I know uh, America is such an interesting country. I mean, it's just, it's so, we're seeing it evolve into, and there is, you know, when when I always hear when there's these hate, these hate crimes and this, this anger, I said, and they're like, well, that come, that, that is just coming out. I was like, that's always been here. There's always been angry people. It's just, I feel like sometimes you have to pull back the, like the curtain. This isn't, this is the gross analogy, pop all the zits. And then it's like, then we kind of get to peace, right? In some regards, then there's evolution. It's just, it, it, we, we have to do this type of work because not everyone has done the work or has looked inside, you know? And it's just interesting to address. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned angry people, right? I happen to think maybe the emotion don't become people. Like, and I see this as a therapist here because like sometimes like you, you see people coming in and say like, I'm just like a depressed person here. And I look at them like when you see yourself as a whole as a depressed person or I'm an anxious person, sometimes people say, I understand what they mean. They probably had anxiety for a good amount of their life and then they're attached to it and they can separate their personality from anxiety. And I would say, can I just invite you to think about the new concept, which is you are here and emotions are actually not you, but it's just something that's here that you have. And if you are having something that you have, not as, you know, instead of having it as part of your body, like arm and legs, then you give yourself more chance to change. And emotions are the continuum because you get so attached. Where I, I like this book, I don't love it. It kind of makes you feel like you're you have problems, like a lot. You know, I don't know if there's there must be some kind of projection from this book of the author. 
I could feel the projection and I'm just like, listen, like in the last chapter of secure attachment, it's like, okay, you guys have problems. Um, let's, let's talk about how the secure people can, I was like, but to your point, emotions are a continuum. You could be attached to that anxious person that you were, but that doesn't mean that you have to be anxious the rest of your life. Right. 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 And you have I, choices. And I, you have choices. And I love that. So question, um, cause I think I might, I, I decide whether or not I want to bake this interview into two parts since there's just such great, like, there's such great nuggets of information here, but kind of talking about the um, uh, aspect of mental fitness and self-awareness, right? So this whole aspect of emotions are a continuum, um, mental health, mental fitness is a continuum. So I'm kind of curious, like you, you have a magical role in this world and this universe where you get to, you talk to so many people from different walks of life. And so you're probably, um, I guess I would say recipe, but I'm just calling the recipe a, 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 a mental recipe you well, mental health recipe for everyone is different. So how, how do you kind of, um, what do you think of when you hear mental fitness? And then also like, how do you kind of practice that when you are with your clients? Yeah, I knew this question was coming up, Jen, because I listened to some of your previous podcasts, which were wonderful. And I'm, I'm gonna ask and uh, request that, that, that they, there's a space for me to express how I feel about this definition or the word. Of course. No, and I, because I, I was a feeling, I had a feeling that, you know, the more I talk about the word mental fitness, the more I'm like, I'm not sure if this is the right term. So I would love to hear your thoughts. Yeah. Frankly speaking, I feel uncomfortable using this word. And allow me to explain why this is. When we use the word fitness, right? Let's just actually pay attention to it. not mental fitness, but the fitness per se, right? Who's defining fitness? And what does it look like? Do I have a choice in how quotes fit looks like? And most people, when somebody says, oh, you're fit, I'm fit. You have an image in your head right now. Skinny person. Right. So this particular word fitness, I think sometimes um, what at least to me, when I hear it, it's attached to the mainstream thinking and expectations and coming um, as a therapist who works with a lot of people with disabilities. And also um, the people with marginalized identities who are pushed out and into the, the you know, corner of the society right? Then I wonder what this word really means for them, right? And so take an example as Asian Americans, for example. Um, so like sometimes people will use the word, I don't fit in, or I've been told I don't fit in, right? What that means for people who has a racially marginalized identity, like Asian Americans, right? What does that mean? So I don't belong. I don't fit in means I don't belong. What does that mean? That How does that come about? Then these are coming from their experience of being told, go back to your country, for example, right? Because perpetual foreigner is one of the stereotypes about Asian Americans. So like the word fit brings out all of that, at least to me. And I wonder if that's the case for some of my clients too, right? But I think in essence, what you are trying to 
define as the mental strengths. So I'm thinking about, so I tend to use mental wellness as the word, um, but I think maybe what you are trying to portray as a strength might be more the resiliency. Yes. Right. And resiliency in my book is defined as pain transformed into strength. And how people get to that, in my opinion, and that's the other part that's the, I'm a bit uncomfortable with the um, word fitness, right? Because when we use fitness uh, as a word and in the exercise world, it's something that you do as your like work, individualistic work, yeah. but mental wellness and resiliency come from collectivistic places for me and for many of the people who are from marginalized communities. And so mental health, wellness, whatever the name it is, but when we are trying to get to this wellness from the mental standpoint, yes, you as a person is responsible and there's a work to do, choices to make, the awareness you need to build, but that's only a part of this, the whole thing. Other chunk is coming from you being connected and supported by other people. And that too is part of resiliency. And that too is a part of mental wellness. Right. Does that make sense? Oh, see, and this is why I had a feeling. I don't know why I looked at that, that, that question to me for this conversation was standing, staring out at me and I didn't like it. I was like, this is, this is, I, I'm glad I asked it because I completely agree with you in the sense of, so we started the show at the beginning of the pandemic and I could say, there was a cloud of a cloud. I, I don't even, I was just like, I'm having these conversations, let's go, right? But where is defining the aspect of the health wellness of the brain has really just been more important than ever where it's always been important. But I think it's just, like I said, pulling back the curtain and popping the pimples where it's always been there, maybe suppressed like all of my emotions inside that I suppressed throughout my twenties and now they're coming out. And I just think that, you know, to your point, is it, is it mental strength though, too? Because if the resiliency is like the continuum of maybe sometimes, and I hate to say weak because it's weak strength. There's all these like here or here it's, it's, it's either you're weaker. It's like, why, what is that middle ground of, and I love the word continuum because it's okay if one day you've done this work, right? Let's just say Mickey's like, I have found my I'm, I'm, I, I'm like, I've assimilated, but now I'm like, I'm feeling myself. I am feeling my identity, but then maybe one day you go and you're like, you, you were in a situation that it may, you might revert back a little, a, a couple steps. And then if you think about the way that you have to measure strength versus weakness, then you're like, this has to be in the weak category. Why, you know, what's that definition that's just to is being you know, and, and that's where I think what you were speaking about is really interesting because talking about the people who, who or, or individuals who feel like they're on these outskirts of society, how do people who feel already on the outskirts of society get to this, get to strength in, or, you know, feel strength, but then if they go back to weakness, it's just this, it's the, I, I, I've got, it's not sitting well with me, this, this pendulum where it should, where it's like, it's, it's holding that space. Is this okay? You know, can we talk about something that is not 
as happy and strength and wellness? Can we talk about the darkness and maybe we're in that space that today, you know? So sorry, that's a kind of long-winded answer, but it popped that up to me when you made your point um, or, you know, you expressed your um, feelings towards uh, the term mental fitness. I'm actually, no, I appreciate your uh, response to this. And it's actually making me think uh, whether or not, what purpose does it serve to define this right now? Right. And allow me to say this because we're trying to identify the the way to speak of this, like something that you need. I'm going to just call it something, something that you need to keep you well mentally, right? Whatever it is. Um, So, but then I think the part that's interesting in terms of this discussion is I think the name itself or how people like define it, I don't need to define that actually. In the scholarly world we do, academic world we do, so that we can talk about it. And we know that the, if you're talking about Apple, I know you're talking about Apple, right? But in therapy sessions, the power is in clients' hands to decide. So any of the languages that's going to prevent them from setting their own definition, I'm going to remove them because that's how I remove oppression then, and the, right? And then give them more power, right? And I think that's where I think, so we don't, we are okay to get lost in this gen today. And then wondering, oh, like, how do I define this? And if you are my client coming in, you have the entire power to decide. What do you want to set as a goal? How do you want to define wellness? I'm with you. I'm going to hold your definition and then we're going to craft a plan then. And that's the beautiful answer. See, I think when it comes down to the something, right? The something is crafting the plan that works for you. And it's not a box, right? It's like, that's what I love. And I think that's something that's a huge standout from this conversation for audience members who have, so who, who not saying, you know, everyone, but if they have something where, you know, they're given, um, when I was reading this book and it, it was so many people are defined by, they might have been reading relationship books before and what they need to do and all these definitions. And I think in the, in the space of talking about mental health as a continuum, you know, it's really like defining what what is what is the best in, for you, right? And I think I I, right. I liked how we got I liked how we got there. I think it could, took a little long, but I really liked how how we got there. So I uh, I really appreciate um, you going down that um, that path with that conversation. But let's circle back just to kind of end a conversation around. I want to get back to your art because I'm obsessed. Um, you're an incredible artist. You know, how is your kind of creativity driven, you know, your self-awareness and, you know, what, what other types of avenues would you like to explore kind of moving forward as you continue to develop and develop, excuse me, your um, artistic skill and your, in your practice? Mm. Most of my art um, and inspiration for my images comes directly from actually two forms of self-awareness or self-reflection. So usually I'm a really good note taker about my experiences and other people's experiences. My husband hated, by the way, right? Because I remember small details stuff. And yeah, so then like, so I'm experiencing things obviously every day with different people and different occasions. And there's a sensation, emotion that comes inside of me. And that's the one that I will take notes in my mind and then later I put that on the paper 
one of the things that I do um, as an artist, but also as an art therapist is Monday through Friday, first hour after I wake up is art making. I do visual journaling. So I have a sketchbook and on that sketchbook, I make images and then I reflect on it. So that's the second round of self-reflection to make self-awareness, right? So then I reflect on images that I made and then I learn about myself and then I learn about what I was experiencing before. And I say, okay, so this is what it is. So then this is something I do every day, at least five times a week, much like how the musicians uh, practice their instruments, right? So that's like something that, that I do as uh, my art practice regimen. And then I have been more intentional about making and learning about printmaking methods. And right now we're in a COVID world. I don't see clients in person, but when I used to see clients in person, um, I did a lot of printmaking and I wanna introduce them to new types and techniques of printmaking. So I'm in the process of kind of getting myself ready and then learning that. So that's my new avenue. That's for our therapy method, but also artist part of me as well. I love that. I love that. I hear, I hear this, like I always, when I always speak to an artist and I hear their methodology or how they wake up in their practice, I'm like, oh gosh, like that just sounds so magical. I know my brain's not wired that way, but I, mm. so, I am so like, like I, I just have such admiration for artists because that's like, like I, I've tried, I, I've sat there with, I have calligraphy pens. I surround myself by a bunch of like very great pens and I can scribble, but I just, you know, maybe that's just, it's another journey, but I, uh, I love that, that I'm excited to see your print work. Yeah, it'll be coming. Can't wait. So yes, I do know that we did take a little longer. This is going to be in two, two episodes because uh, we, we had a lot to talk about and I was really just enjoying our conversation. So um, Mickey, is there anything that you would like to leave with the audience before we wrapped up today? Let me think about that. Yeah, maybe since I'm showing up here and we were talking about the you know mental health, mental wellness, right? That part, right? And so let me just think about the emotions here, right? So each emotion has a purpose, a message for you, even the fear, even the anger, even the uncomfortable ones. So for those of you who are listening and seeing this podcast, maybe if you are noticing that big feelings, even the uncomfortable ones, maybe you can ask those emotions before you push away. You know, what is it trying to tell me? get curious about that and then see where it's going to lead you. There's something attached to it. And then you're going to learn something from that. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Mickey. I know that um, our listeners will really enjoy this podcast. And I thank you so much for taking the time and we will catch you next time on mental recess. I'm your host, Jen Sherman. Thank you everyone. Thank you for tuning into another episode of We Are Everyone. You can subscribe to We Are Everyone on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and also be sure to visit www.pivotalmoments.org to learn more about the organization. And we also want to hear what mental wellness means to you. So you can follow us on social media, submit your video, and uh, we will catch you next time. Thank you so much.